Lord, this is your word. It is alive. It is alive unto us, believers, people who look to it to be changed, to be sanctified, to be encouraged, to be comforted. Change us, Lord, by the means of your word this morning, I pray. Amen. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? In light of chapter 5, Paul asks a question, what next? What shall we say then? Chapter 5 is, you are justified. 5 verse 1, therefore you have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 5 verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 5 verse 18, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Justification. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. By faith, we are made right with God through Jesus Christ. We are justified by his grace as a gift, a free gift. Justification. And so our flight to heaven is booked. It has been paid for. We have our ticket in hand. But it hasn't left just yet. We're still here. We're not in heaven yet. We have a bit of time, a bit of life left to live. We know the plane is coming. This isn't Kulula. It's not going to be delayed. This isn't SAA. It's not going bankrupt. We know the person who booked this flight, or rather the God who booked this flight, He is a God of his word. His promises, they stand true. Our destiny, it is sure. He who authored our faith will surely perfect it. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? Our sins are forgiven, yes. We know that much, but what do we do? How do we live our lives while we wait for heaven? How do we deal with this little thing called sin? We look forward to the day when tears and death and sin are no more, but how do we deal with it in the present? Does it even matter if we deal with it? If our destiny is sure, why bother? Why put all this effort if our destiny is sure? And so Paul anticipates. He anticipates that some will look at justification and they will come up with this bright idea that since we have been justified and since it is sin that exposes our need for grace, let us just sin all the more so that grace may abound. Let's give God more sin so that he can give us more free gifts of grace. By no means may it never be the outrage What a terrible thought. How did we get to the place where Christians are fine with sin? Where sin became okay? How did we get to a place where Christians would use the grace of God, 
the very thing that is meant to save them from sin, to justify further sin. Not only have they become or have we become nonchalant and casual about sin, we try and find theological loopholes so that we can continue in our sin. What a terrible thought. What a terrible thought. How does Paul argue against this terrible thought? He argues that to be a Christian requires regeneration. What is regeneration? Regeneration is the change that God works in you when you are saved. This is the miracle of God taking what is dead and making it alive. And so that's my first point, regeneration. That's what this passage is about. Let's look at a couple of aspects of regeneration. Firstly, verse 1 and 2, regeneration goes hand in hand with justification. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who die to sin still live in it? If you want to lay claim to the justification of chapter 5, if you want to say my sins are forgiven, if you want to call yourself a Christian, you need to understand this. You cannot have a true encounter with God and walk away unchanged. And it's a lie. It's a lie that somehow we can have this ticket to heaven. Somehow we can be justified. Somehow this record of sin can be canceled. Somehow all these things can happen. And yet I can walk away and those things have zero effect on my life. That's a lie. Somehow this Jesus guy died for us 2,000 years ago. And on a transactional level, on an accounting level, somehow our record of sin is canceled. But all of that happens, and there's no tangible difference in our lives. Somehow we can have a God experience, but the next day we wake up and we carry on like nothing happened. That is a lie. That's not what it means to be a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are regenerate, you are born again. That's not some funny expression. That is a testimony to the fact that you have died to sin. That is past tense. And you now live in the newness of life. That is present tense. You cannot continue in sin that grace may abound. Because by God's grace, we are not only forgiven. We are also transformed. You cannot be confronted with the gospel. You cannot believe the gospel. You cannot be saved from sin and still walk away as if nothing happened. It's impossible. It's impossible for a miserable, sinful creature dead in its sin to have a real encounter with the living God and walk away unchanged. It is impossible. It is impossible to be justified. It is impossible to be justified and to walk away unregenerate. It is impossible to be justified on the one hand and yet not be born again on the other. Justification and regeneration go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. How can we who have died to sin still continue to live in it? How can we who have felt the touch of God in our lives and have been changed, how can we go and live like those who have not been changed? 
It's not possible. And so if you continue to sin rather than giving God more opportunity to shower you with grace, if you continue to sin, you are showing yourself to be unregenerate and therefore without justification. Secondly, regeneration is found in Christ, in Christ. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The point here is not water. Yes, we baptized, baptism by full immersion. If you want to see a baptism, there's a baptism this evening. And there's a beauty to fulfilling the scriptures in that act of baptism. But hear me out. The point is not water. The water does not change you. The water symbolizes that which does change us. That is the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is in Christ that we are transformed. And when we become Christians, we are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the free gift of salvation. We demonstrate in baptism outwardly that which is already true inwardly. That we are one with Christ. We are one with him in his death. And so we are dead to sin and we are one with him in his life. And so we are alive to God. Christ in us, the hope of glory, that the means of regeneration is Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be made new. There is no other way outside of the person of Jesus Christ. If you get baptized and you're expecting some sort of spiritual experience and it is not as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have missed the point. It is not the water that changes you. It is encountering the person and work of Jesus Christ. Regeneration is the foundation of sanctification, verse 4 and 5. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that for the purposes of to achieve this result that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Regeneration took place. We were changed from those who did not know God to those who were filled with the Spirit of God. We were changed. We died to sin, not just for the sake of removing sin, but also for the sake of living a new life. And just as our death to sin points us to Jesus dying, so too our new lives in Christ point to him being raised from the dead. Thinking back to last week's sermon, Mark took us through Galatians 5. Walking in step with the Spirit. That is part of the new life that we have in Christ. Ongoing sanctification, being constantly reformed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Ongoing sanctification in the present continuous tense, built upon the sure foundation of regeneration past tense. 
regeneration is more than just the beginning of sanctification. It is the foundation of a life of sanctification. Every brick of holiness and sanctification and being made into the likeness of Christ, every brick is laid upon the foundation of the gospel that you encountered Christ and you were transformed. You have been changed. You have been regenerated and you are sealed with the Spirit. And so if you're an unbeliever and you have not been changed, maybe from time to time you might feel a little bit of moral guilt. Maybe from time to time your conscience will be pricked and you may feel on occasion that you have wronged someone. But we do not expect to see you being convicted of your sins. We do not expect to see you growing in holiness. We do not expect to see you turning from your sin. We do not expect the fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit isn't in you. You are dead. Dead trees don't produce living fruit. And so when we, when we as Christians engage with unbelievers, we do not tell them, walk in the Spirit. They cannot walk in a spirit that doesn't live inside of them. What do we do rather? We point them back to Jesus, the gospel. Again and again, the gospel. Unbeliever, if you would put your faith in Christ Jesus, he is willing and he is able to forgive your sin. He is willing and he is able to take your miserable, meaningless, dead existence and change you and regenerate you into a new creation that is suitable to serve in the kingdom of God. We know he is able to change us in the present sanctification because we have already witnessed him changing us in the past tense regeneration. If we are to share with him in his life, in walking a spirit-filled life, it is only because we have shared with him in his death in putting to death the body of sin. Regeneration means freedom from sin. That's verse 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. What does it mean to be set free from sin? Does it mean... You no longer have the ability to sin. I cannot mean that because the Bible assumes that regenerate, spirit-filled believers will sin. If you jump ahead, just one chapter you find in Romans chapter 7, Paul is wrestling with sin. His spirit wants one thing, his flesh wants another. And then you find that he who says they are without sin, they are liars. But he who confesses his sins, has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The Bible assumes that Christians will still sin, even that sin is provided for, but they will still sin. So freedom from sin, it cannot mean sinless perfection in this life. We will be perfect in heaven. Not here. So if not that, what does it mean to be set free from sin? It means we are still here. We are still here. And as the enemy constructs walls of temptation around us, the walls are still there. But this is the difference. 
The walls are there, but the door is now unlocked. You are no longer constrained as you were before. It is no longer your master, and you are no longer its slave. You owe sin no obligation. Every day, every day we will struggle with sin. Every day we still have to practically fight against sin. But every struggle, every fight, it is already stained with the blood of Jesus and it already has the stench of victory. God does not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear. And so this is the truth. Every tool we need to live a spirit-filled life, every tool we need to wake up in the morning and live a life that glorifies God and that says no to sin, Every tool we need for that, it has already been given us. God has provided everything in the past tense through, through regeneration to, to enable us to live sin-free lives in the present tense. God, in addition to that, has sealed us with the Spirit. The Spirit is at work within us. Not because we are wonderful people who always get it right. The Spirit is within us because we are saved. Spirit that convicts, the spirit that reminds us and points us back to Christ, spirit that comforts us. And so when we do sin, when we do sin, because we will, we can never point the finger back at God and say, I sinned because you didn't sanctify me enough. He has provided all that is needed for us to live godly lives in the present. If you are a regenerate believer and you fall into sin, we sin as Christians. We sin not because of some porn or lust demon that haunts us, not because of some alcohol demon that haunts us, not because of some lying or thieving or jealousy or anger or some sort of spiritual bondage that still has hold on us. There is no power of evil that can command us. We are free. And so I put it to you this morning that the solution to sin in a Christian's life is not some funny future spiritual experience. Sanctification is not about, I have 10 sins. God will address one this month. He'll address two next month. The other seven, maybe he'll get to next year. That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is our struggle with sin in the present. And so rather than using future sanctification as an excuse to carry on sinning, we beg God in the present for present sanctification. Lord, I long for heaven. Lord, I long to be outside this fleshly body of mine. Please change me. That regeneration, that born againness, that change that you worked in my life when I first understood the gospel, use it even today to show me I'm free from this sin. Help me believe this. Help me act on this. Regeneration is conclusive. Verse 8 to 10. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Central to this idea of regeneration is death and life. 
There is a finality to death. It is terribly conclusive. It is terribly irreversible. That's why most people live in fear of it. Because there's no going back. The plants I planted at the beginning of the year and forgot to water and didn't get enough sun, they die. (laughs) They're not coming back. Consider then, consider then why it is that Paul emphasizes death so much. You are dead to sin. You are already dead to sin. That part of your life is dead. It is gone, finished. You don't water dead plants. You don't put out food for dead animals. So why would we as Christians give platform for sin in our lives when we are dead to it? Why would we entertain that thought? Regeneration is conclusive and it is final and it is done. That is why that that which represents regeneration is only done once in the life of a believer. That is baptism. Communion is different. We partake again and again as often as is possible to remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Baptism is not meant to constantly remind us. It is meant to signify that the old you is, not, is dead. The old you is gone. The new you is now here. If you are a Christian, the solution to your sin problem is not standing up again in church. It is not saying another's prayer. It is not being baptized again and again and again. The solution isn't to look for some sort of subsequent regeneration. That is silly. Otherwise, all of us, every Sunday, would be in that pool getting baptized. Put my name at the top of the list. I have sin issues. No, no, when sin rears its ugly head, we don't look for some future spiritual experience to set us free from it because we are already free from it. You are free. We look back and we remember that we were changed once and for all. Christ will not die again. And the life he now lives is an eternal life. That's what it means to be regenerate. But Paul doesn't stop there. He helps us out by giving us the application. There are two applications. Firstly, truth informs reality. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Truth informs reality. Spiritual truth informs fleshly reality. Do you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus? It is possible. It is possible to take the death of our old self and the new life we have in Christ and the idea of regeneration, it's possible to take them things and make them abstract. And then it becomes some theology textbook that no one can understand and it sits on our shelves collecting dust. And the devil and his minions would like nothing more than to convince you that it is false and that you are still a slave to sin, and that it has power over you, and that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was not enough 
to save you or to change you? Do you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus? Take what has been achieved by Christ spiritually and apply it to reality. Reckon it, appropriate it, consider it. You are changed. When you encountered Christ, it was real and it was life-changing. You have been changed. That is the truth. That is the proposition that Paul brings forward. Consider, calculate, work this out in your heads. You are changed. You might not feel it. You might have the same color eyes as you had before. You might have the same hair you had before. You might smell the same. You might drive the same car. You might still be unemployed. You might wake up and face the exact same struggles. And you look in the mirror and the same pimples are staring back at you. And it may be that your neighbor hates your guts. And today he will still hate your guts. But consider this. Consider this. Calculate it. Work it into your head that you have been touched by the work of Jesus Christ. You are justified and you are changed. The Bible says you are changed and so you are changed. Truth, the truth of God's word informs reality. You and I, we don't get to make up our own truths along the way. Truth isn't our feelings, there is only God's truth. That tells us who we are. You might not feel different, but you are different. Now, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. (laughs) This isn't me standing in front of a mirror for five minutes every day and I focus my mind and there's some funny energy in the room and three months' time, a six-pack magically appears on my stomach. (laughs) This is not, I think, therefore I am. This is, he died, therefore I am alive. If that was real on the cross, if his death be real, if his resurrection be real, if that is real, then this is real. If we consider it to be true that we are dead to sin and are free from its power and are alive in Christ, does that change the way we live our lives? Paul seems to think so. The first application, consider yourselves. Let truth inform reality. And if you let the truth of God's word inform reality, then the following commands, they don't only seem within the realm of possibility, they are logical and they are plausible. And so the second application is, apply your status to your sin. Apply who you are in Christ to the way you live. Live out who you consider yourself to be. Verse 12 to 14, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace." It is to our shame as Christians that we live in a world where we have men 
who consider themselves to, to be women, and in their sinfulness, they put up a better show of being what they consider themselves to be than most Christians who claim to be Christians consider themselves to be Christians. The world is doing a better job at being the world than we are at being Christians. We know what the world is. We know they are slaves to sin. We see this playing out every day around us. They are a bunch of unregenerate heathens. That's what they consider themselves to be, and they are very successful at it. What about you? What about me? Are we slaves to sin? Are we also a bunch of unregenerate heathens just stumbling about in the dark, hoping for some sort of spiritual experience that will never come? Is that who we are? Or are we changed? Are we dead to sin? Do we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ? Okay, let's live that out. It is possible. It is doable. It is within our reach. We are regenerate. We are changed. Let us live as those who we claim to be. Let us fight the good fight. Let us put effort into not giving the devil a foothold. Let us flee from sin. Let us not present our members, as, our members to sin as instruments for evil and unrighteousness. But as those who have been justified and have been changed by the power of God through Christ on the cross... Let us present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And let us present our members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, sin will have no dominion over us since we are not under the law but are under grace. Truth informs reality. And when truth informs reality, we can live lives that glorify God. This is a humble pursuit. It's end, it's end. Again, it is not sinless perfection in this life. Its end is not for us to pat ourselves on the back because of how good we are at living out our Christianity. The point is not me. I can because he died on that cross for my sins and his death, and in his death I am set free. If we glorify God in one thing in this life, it's not because we got it right. But it is all the work of Christ on that cross. Outside of Christ, we are useless and we are hopeless. In Christ, we have hope. Who are you? Who are you? Are you born again? Have you been washed? Have you been cleansed? Have you been justified? Does the Spirit of God live within you? If that is true, if that is true, consider yourself dead to sin and alive and useful and precious in the hands of God. And once you have let the truth of the word of God inform reality, go and live a Christian life. Go and live a life that glorifies God. Go, regenerate Christian. Go and sin no more. Let us pray. Lord, 
we look back at what you achieved on that cross. We look back, and yet sometimes in the present we, we feel disconnected. Sometimes in the present we do not feel free from sin. Sometimes in the present when sin rears its ugly head, it feels like a terrible monster that has been let loose upon us. Keep us near to you in prayer, in your word, in your presence. Keep these truths near to us that this terrible monster has no power over us. We are free. May we realize our freedom in this lifetime. Sanctify us, Lord, in the present. I thank you for your work in each of our lives. And Lord, if it be, if it be that there is one who was here this morning who does not know you, who is hopeless in their sin, who is unregenerate, who has no spirits convicting them, Oh, Lord, I pray, open their eyes to the gospel. Work once more among us, I pray. Amen.